the expression from the music inspired me so much to take risks and it inspired damn near the whole rap game. Hello again, I'm Adam Unz. You may know me as the host of The Opus, and now I'm bringing my own show, The Spark Parade, to the Consequence Podcast Network. I speak with artists and creatives about the cultural artifacts that spark their personal interest and creativity, whether it's music, books, movies, video games, or any other kind of art. I've never spoke about it in this amount of detail. I'm suddenly going, oh my God, I'm blowing my own mind here, Christ. It's, it's actually a giant part of my life. By talking about the things we love, we share and discover insights into our personality and the things that drive us. It's just magic, really. I mean, frustrating and it makes some people angry, but I don't think anyone's ever done anything like it. I speak with people like Connor Robers, Phoenix's Thomas Mars, Chris Gethard, Helen Hong, Adrian Young, and more, so their sparks of inspiration can start a fire in you. I'm grateful for those who continue to put our history and who we are as a people in the forefront and make you see it. Find the Spark Parade wherever you get your podcasts. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. In the early 2000s, several ska bands formed in Austria, though many of them did not last. But one, Ruskaya, remains, and they've become a household name on the international ska stage. A decade into their career, they signed to Napalm Records, and in their home country, they're best known as the house band for the late-night comedy show Willkommen Österreich. In 2022, they made their first-ever trek to the U.S. as the opening act for Flogging Molly. So today we speak to guitarist Engel Meyer. Now sit back and expand your knowledge of international ska just a little bit. I feel like one really cool thing that happened during the pandemic was the world got a little bit smaller, and so it was easier to find international bands. Yeah. And one of those bands, Ruskaya. My introduction to Ruskaya actually was uh, our old friend Mike Vianelli, oh. the original Flat Planet guitarist. He started texting me. A while back, he's like, dude, check out this band. And his music tastes are so like all over the map. Like, and he doesn't even like a lot of ska, but he just like worshiped this band. Did he go see him when they came out here with uh Flogging Molly? No, I don't, th- I don't think he could, but uh, yeah. So he's he was just like he, he campaigning hard for them. And I, I, I checked him out and I was super into them. Nice. I got another funny Ruskaya story for you. Sure. I was in Mexico uh, over Christmas and New Year's. Mm-hmm. And I kept my eye out for ska shirts. And I saw several ska shirts for Mexican bands. But the one non-Mexican band I saw t-shirt was Ruskaya. Nice. So now we know Ruskaya, huge in Mexico. Did you see an Omnigon shirt when you were out there? I did. And I was the one wearing it. <laughs> <laughs> Got to represent for your friends. I wanted to start by talking about a song that you did in uh, 2013, Energia. Yep. Great song, a great video. Tell me a little bit about the video. It's got this really cool animation sort of style to it. Um, first, I'm curious, who who did this? And then some of the vision about the style in this video. Well, the the video was done by Yuppi Yupsen. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's a guy who's now living in the UK. And actually, he did everything on his own. He heard the track, he liked it, and he said... Well, the only thing you guys have to do is um, film yourself with a few uh, a few special angles. Like like in the very intro, you see us sitting on, on that desk. Yeah. So we filmed this one ourselves, and then those close-ups that are coming in the chorus where, where we can see the faces of the band members. That's stuff that he requested, you know. And everything else, all the, the animation, he, he really he hit, he hit it. He, he hit it right off because all the the Russian cliche stuff. He, <laughs> yeah, it's just we we saw it for the first time and, and we knew it, it's just totally right. Uh, last I checked, this song has like eighteen million views on YouTube. Yeah, it, it well it, it got kind of big over the years, mm-hmm. but it, because we're not a band that like uh, explodes with some kind of song or like some hit song or something like that. So it was, it was just just growing over the years. And it, it became 
it became our biggest song actually it's definitely uh aside from the fact that i like the video and i like showing people the video i think the song is not only a good song but i think it sort of encapsulates you know what Ruskai is about yeah um it has all the elements like i like especially the chorus the chorus has this very heavy part and then it switches suddenly to this very like kind of eastern european influenced ska part and goes yeah. back and forth between these and i kind of feel like that's what i want it's like if someone's never heard you guys before and i want to i want to give them like like a, just a couple minutes to familiarize themselves with you i i want them to hear that chorus and i yeah. feel like that'll kind of give them a sense of what they're in for well it's a very catchy and and i think just the the word and the title of the song is like most the, one of the most important terms what the band is all about because a lot of a lot of our like our presentation is about energy you know so mm-hmm. so that's another thing i think that that makes this song so so special yeah so i want to talk a little bit about the fact that you guys have a saxophone a violin and then you have an instrument how do you, what do you call the instrument? It's called potete. And this is like, kind of like a trumpet, but. Like it's, it's a, a mixed word, you know, from um, trumpet is called um, trompete in, in German language. And then we have the trombone, which is called posaune. So you, you take the beginning of posaune and the end of trompete. So you get potete. <laughs> Sounds like potato. I love it. Yeah, and it's a it's 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 built like a mixture of of those those two instruments. So that's where the the name came about. This was something invented by you guys or the member that plays it. Yeah, yeah. Can you explain a little bit how they the process of creating their own horn? Well, he he studied the. I hope it's I hope it's the the right word in English a tuba yeah huh yeah like the big the big horn so he he studied that instrument this is his main instrument actually and and he's he's playing it in Ruskaya as well but but for playing those like high speed Balkan melodies he he kind of switched to a trombone but he wanted it to to be a little bit more uh, comfortable for him so he he created a kind of instrument and he went to a to a like a, a horn maker and he he told him about his creation and that guy built it <laughs> it's just this there's just that one instrument one of a kind <laughs> no other ones like it yeah it's very similar actually to a, like a, a bass trumpet yeah you, you know those trumpets that are that are a little bit bigger. I'm looking at a picture of it right now. The most uh, noticeable difference is that there's a completely circular piece of tubing near the front of the horn. And then uh, the bell, the bell of the horn almost looks like it's angled back a little bit. It's a really dramatic looking trumpet. Yeah. And it has, it has the, I don't know why it's called the thing you can pull out that you know from the from the trombones. Oh yeah, the slide. Yeah, the slide. Yeah, it has that. So this is more trombone stuff, and everything else is a lot like a bigger trumpet, and so it's just a like a bastard. Yeah, <laughs> like a horn bastard. <laughs> the way your horn sound and the violin sound, I think it really brings out the the fact that there's a lot of Eastern European influences as well, not just ska influences. Yeah. Did you guys craft this section to get this sound or was it sort of like these are the these are the people you knew that wanted to be in the band? Well, well it, it wasn't really on purpose. We just knew we we wanted to have like three instruments that are not rock band instruments. Yeah. And of course we wanted to have the, the violin because it's like a it can get so dramatic in the sound. So the violin is is really important. But to be honest, until like last years, uh, last year I think it was we had a trumpet instead of the saxophone for ten years, and now mm. we have a 
we have a, a saxophone player again. So, yeah, it, w- it was a little bit different, but but the main main part is just three of those and the rock band. Then you you can do that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's really interesting hearing the violin lock in with the horns. Yeah, and then go off and do its own thing, and then come back in. It gives it a completely different feel while still feeling familiar. Yeah. So in 2022, you guys came to the U.S. for the first time ever? Yeah. Wow. Had you tried to come to the States before this and it never worked out? Or were you just waiting for a good opportunity? Because in this time, you came with Flogging Molly. Yeah. Basically, we it, it was always some kind of a, a dream to, to go to the U.S. Because... None of our of our um, past booking agencies they had contacts or anything, and, and I'm pretty sure you know that you, you can't just call some U.S. clubs and say, "Hey, we're Ruskaya, <laughs> we want to come over and play." <laughs> so we di- we didn't have any contacts or just like a, a starting point or something like that. Um, and then just we we got to know the the guys from Flogging Molly. They they invited us actually, and, and this was like a, a really great, great opportunity for us to come over and and play the shows to one thousand or two thousand people every night instead of coming over for the first time and hoping to get like one one hundred people or something. Yeah, I was. Um, I almost came to your Oakland show. I I live about an hour and a half or so from Oakland, and uh, I felt just absolutely exhausted and i was just like i couldn't convince my body to um drive in my car and drive an hour and a half yeah to uh but i really really wanted to because i've been a fan for a while and i was so excited that you guys are here and i heard nothing but good things from friends of mine that did go see you guys yeah cool what was it like for you guys because i assume that a, a majority of the audience were totally unfamiliar with you yeah and it, it was Actually, I I loved it. It was a really great experience for us. I, I did a, I did a, a tour in in Canada with a different project um, ten years ago, but it was not the U.S. So it was was also my first time to the U.S. And the flogging Molly audience is known to be very kind to the to the support bands because those people they know that flogging Molly picks the support band themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's not just random support acts that are chosen by agencies or something like that. It's, it's, they, they are handpicked, actually. And, and that's why their fans are in the club very early to check out those bands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we love those guys. We, we owe them a lot. They took us over and, and their fans, they, they loved us. I saw just as a side side note. I, I saw a video of you guys playing um, uh, a version of their song "Devil's Dance Floor." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> great, great version. Anyone, anyone should uh, uh, go check that out on on YouTube. That was fun. Like every every night, we 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 did two minutes of a uh, of some uh, famous song of the area we are playing in. Oh, really? When when you grow up here, lots of 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 music you listen to is is American actually. All, all the all the blues, rock, pop stuff. It's so much stuff, so much music coming from the U.S. So so there's always some some song or some tune wherever you go. And we picked some and uh, checked it at the sound check, and we played it. People love that. Can you give us some examples of songs you played for for a couple different cities? Oh, of course, we did "Sweet Home Alabama" <laughs> <laughs> with with some some polka beat and some some offbeat guitar, and we did a, a "Living in Tulsa" time. We played Tulsa <laughs> stuff like that. Just we on on the on the bus ride to the next show, we, we were all in the bus and we, we were checking which song. We, we work in and then we we tried it at sound check and then we played it in the night nice i was reading an inner uh, a review of your kansas city show somebody wrote and um 
So one thing that they said, and we kind of talked about this already, is that like that you quickly won over the audience. So audience are kind of coming in cold, but you guys hit them real quick with your stuff, stuff, and they're down for it. Yeah. The other thing was that um, they were talking about how Georgie, your lead singer Georgie, would embrace your bass player Dimitri. Is that is that his name? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, told the crowd because Dimitri. So Georgie's Russian. Yeah, he's Ru- Russian born. Yes, and Dimitri is Ukrainian. Yeah. And so he said that, you know, they're, you know, we're an example of that there's no war between the Ukrainian and Russian people, that this is one crazy motherfucker's war that he's, you know, imposing on everyone else. Yeah. Because so the time that you guys came was kind of at, uh, and it's still going as at the time we're recording this, but the, the Ukrainian, the Russia's war in Ukraine was happening. And so yeah. as a band, you have, I know Georgie's Russian. Is, is there any other members that are Ukrainian by, besides Dimitri? No, no. It's, it's, it's really mixed. So we, we all met in Austria, which is like in, the, like in the heart of Europe. And Georgie came to Austria, I think he was 14 or 15 years old with his mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dimitri he came when he was... I'd say 20 or 22 to, to study bass. So we have a, a German violin player, and a saxophone player is Italian. So we're kind of multicultural. But of course, like when the lead singer is born in, in Russia and the band name is Ruskaya. So people, people will think you're a Russian band, actually. Sure. That's not easy. When Russia is doing some bullshit war, sure, yeah, so. yeah. So, what was this moment like? I mean, I, I've seen, I saw posts that were made probably before the tour, or maybe during the tour. You know, basically taking a stand against the war, and also the similar message—a message of unity between the Russian and Ukrainian people. Yeah, we we were talking about this. I think the war started like one one week before we we. We flew to the US. We were talking about how, how can we how can we let people know that they were absolutely against any kind of war, you know? Because mm-hmm. people at first people hate Russians now. <laughs> and the second the second thing is some some of them think, Oh, it's a Russian band, they must be pro war or something insane. <laughs> so sure. So we were talking about telling people every night as early as possible. So after the first song, telling all the people that we're absolutely against any kind of war that's going on. I mean, we, we had an album that was called Peace, Love and Russian Roll. And we, we had several, like, let's call it them, let's call them peace songs. But yeah. of course, people, People that don't know you, people that just read your band's name, how can they know? It, it, I think it's complicated too. Like to like you know, like we talked about energia having sort of the Russian cliche imagery. Yeah, it's part of you know, it's part of Georgie's culture, part of his history, and but you know that all of that gets launched into this like big national conversation of what's happening. And and also you know we we have those we have those lyrical jokes in our lyrics. There's it's mostly it's, it's German sayings, and and they used to be funny, but it, in that exact moment when Russia started that war, all those jokes are gone. Like there's a a German saying. It's um um the the Russen sind da. Like the Russians are here, and I think most of those those funny sayings they come from the from the uh, World War Two, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and those are all jokes, and they were really funny. But now you you can't sing them. And Georgie said, "Well, I I can I can't go on stage and, and sing that stuff any anymore." So we also in in uh, Energia, that's how we call the song Energia. Okay. It starts like um, uh, it's the, the I think it's the second sentence. 
Ähm, die Russen sind da nach einem Tagesmarsch. It's German for the Russians are arriving after like a, a one day of of like a soldier's march, like a one day march. It's it's just a, a saying. Yeah, that used to be funny, but now we don't want to sing it anymore. Yeah, yeah. So there, there's it's it's a little bit complicated for a band like us. Also, the song I, I wrote the song uh, Ruski style in 2019, and it was released as the first single of the new album in uh, let me think September. Uh, 21 and like ruski style is, is is just another funny saying like if if you do something in a stupid way here <laughs> then you say oh yeah that's he made it ruski style <laughs> <laughs> like if 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 you, if you turn around with your car and it's really stupid and you you, you have to like do like 10 times back and forth Oh, he he's doing it Russian, <laughs> <laughs> and that's and that's what we call a Ruski style. So it, it should be funny, yeah. But now a Ruski style is like just invading another country. <laughs> God. So that song is suddenly became difficult. Yeah. So the new album's called uh, Tur- uh, Turbo Polka Party. Yeah. The the first song on the new album is called No Borders. Yeah. That song seems, feels like it relates to uh, what we're talking about. Is, is, can you tell us a little bit about the song and what inspired it? Yeah. That that song I wrote in April. So it, it's one of the, the freshest songs on the album. And as you can imagine, I... The, the war was already going on for like two months. And it was when we came back from, from the US, I think like three weeks after we, we were on tour in Germany and I was on the bus and then backstage in a German uh, city called Dresden. And I had just the, the, the words in my head. And I sat down in the, the backstage and I really wanted to to write a song like that because also like like I told you, we were talking about letting people know that just because we have a singer that's born, who's born in, in Moscow, we're not like war people or something. So I, I, I wanted to, to write a song that has that message in it. So yeah, I said backstage, backstage and I, I put the words together and the chords. Yeah, And, and when I show it, uh, you know, I, I start writing songs mostly like on some plane or on the bus, train or something like that. And I put the ideas in, into my phone. And then I, when I'm home, I sit down and I make, I make demos where I, I, I uh, program drums, and bass guitar. I will play and all the melodies I, I will do in the computer. And then I sing those songs myself and then I show them to Georgie. Because being the lead singer, of course, he, he will have to sing what I wrote, kind of. So if, if, he's, if he's not cool with it, then, then we, we will change some stuff or we, we just trash the song or something like that. And when I showed him the song No Borders, he, he had tears in his eyes and, and he said, well, Engel, thank you for writing this song because he's the lead singer and every night... That's what he wants to tell people the most. And now he has a song that has that message in it. And that's why I put the song uh, on the album as the first track, because I think, I think that that's a very important message now. Yeah. Yeah, it's the perfect lead off. And, and I mean, I could see starting a set with that song too. Okay, so let's do a little history. Um, Ruskaya formed in 2005 in Austria. Yeah. Now you you already mentioned Georgie was uh, born in born in Moscow, moved to uh, Austria in like 1989. You mentioned there was other other members that are Ukrainian, Italian. You, are you you're from Austria yourself? 
Yeah, I'm a born Austrian. Is this normal normal for bands in Austria to be multi multinational, multicultural like you guys are? Actually not. It's just it just it's just the way it came about. So Georgie had, had the idea. It was a time when the the ska music and the mixture of, of Balkan and ska had like a, a small hype here in Austria. Mm. I, I, I remember that time and in those five to six years there were lots of bands coming out and playing ska music with with different flavors added and georgie had the idea of taking that ska stuff with his um with his history of of russian folk and just occasionally he he met dimitri and he said you know you know what i'm talking about because we have kind of this of the same history and we know the same Russian folk songs. And he asked him, are you interested? And Dimitri said, yes. So that was the, the beginning of the band. What were some of the bands in Austria that were playing ska? Well, nothing nothing got, got bigger. We had a band called PBH Club. Okay. They, were, they were playing like national shows, but they ne- never came out of the country. They, they never made it like in Germany or something. It was a hype that was really unique to the to the city here, to Vienna. So, yeah. And then people said, you know, the hype will be over in like five years or something, and then Ruskaya will be dead as well. <laughs> <laughs> but, but somehow we managed to survive. <laughs> Proved it wrong. At that time, were there any uh, outside ska bands coming through that were uh, you were listening to? Well, just the, the usual suspect. So this, the, the ska stuff that, that I'm familiar with is uh, Fishbone or that kind of stuff. I mean, that's perfect. <laughs> Can't go wrong with Fishbone. Yeah, the, this is like really so so many different styles in there. And, and I grew up with lots of different styles. So Fishbone was always my kind of kind of thing and and also i think when you i think it was you aaron who, who wrote us for the first time and sent us a link to your um list of albums that we we're in and you also got the one rancid album in the life won't wait yeah that's a great one too because it of course it's a punk rock album but on the other hand it's not it's so much more Mm-hmm. And 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 those ska influences, I always loved them. So, yeah. What what Engel's talking about is that um, Brooklyn Vegan did an article on the sixty four. I think it was sixty four essential ska records. I was a I was one contributor of like a handful of people, and I I specifically yeah. uh, asked that uh, that Ruskaya be included because I I'm a big fan. And uh, anyways, I, I was very happy that they accepted. You, your guys' uh, inclusion in this list of bands because I think yeah. you deserve to be heard by more people uh, around the world as a as an a, as an important essential band in the sky universe. Yeah, well, thank you for for proposing. <laughs> sure, <laughs> you know. Also, I I grew up with lots of different music, and punk rock was was also a big part. Besides, like blues and rock, and also metal. And also jazz, and I also listened to NoFX, and mm-hmm. NoFX is just you know it's just a punk band, yeah. But yeah, it's not it's not actually. They have songs that are ska songs or, or kind of reggae songs. I always like the the mixture of the stuff. There's a lot of like metal influences in Ruskaya. Can you tell us a little bit about the the metal bands that you guys are into? Well, Georgie and me, we we have a like a common history of of the. Maybe it's not old school metal, but because now so much time has passed. But let's call it the classic bands from from Metallica to Maiden, and then um, like early '90s bands like Machine Head, stuff like that. And I, I had a time when I was a lot into New York hardcore bands like Biohazard and Propane and Sick of It All. And when I got to know Georgie, we we discovered that he also loved Biohazard. Back in the nineties, so there's lots of lots of common 
common flavors for us. I also listen to really death metal stuff, and so also Cannibal Corpse, and later like Nile. I don't know if you if you guys yeah. know about that that really technical death metal blah blah blah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I listen to a lot lots of stuff. And, well, nowadays I, I still there's you know there's just time for everything and and, and I go back and forth and I, I'm rediscovering classics every few weeks and and put the record on and I'm happy again. So yeah. Back in the back in the early days, like in the nineties or early two thousands. What were some of the uh, ska bands that came through, like some ska shows you got to see? Well, actually, in the early 2000s, I only listened to jazz music. Oh, yeah? (laughs) (laughs) So I I only went to shows um, of of jazz bands and projects. So actually, I didn't listen to a lot of ska. No ska for you at that time. (laughs) No ska. I didn't even I didn't even listen to to rock stuff or anything. I, I was a total chess nerd for a few years. So, did you ever get to see Fishbone come through? No, 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 no. Never seen Fishbone, huh? No, never seen. They, they're not they're not in, in in Europe very often. Ah, well, we gotta, yeah. Hopefully, they come back. I mean, they're still touring, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I follow them, and I'm happy they're still still playing. When uh, Ruskaya is forming. Can you tell us a little bit about the scene, like what other bands you guys, you guys are playing with, what places you're playing, kind of how how healthy the scene is, if you will. Well, at the time, at the time um, the band started, it was um, it was that the the Balkans car hype that I told you about. Yeah, and there was and there was one special club in Vienna. It was called the Ost Club. Which means like East Club, and in the name there's already the the Balkan, the Eastern Europe, um, reference in there. So it, they they asked Ruskaya to to play their weekly, a weekly show there, and and people were totally into it. So the the club, it it fits like um, 100 people I think or 150, and it was packed every week. And it, it gave us a big, a big boost. And then after that, we, we just came around and were booked for festivals and stuff like that. From there, it it, it just grew. It, it's it's the same with the with the music. We're not a band that that gets high chart positions or something. And with the with the live shows, it's it's just like that. It's just words words going around and. And we got bigger, like a little bit every year. So, so your your first record comes out in two thousand eight. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Kazachok Superstar. I think it was two thousand eight. Yeah. And that was like, um, was that just a small local indie record label that put it out? Well, actually not, because in that time of that Balkan hype, there was uh, the one label that, that put out lots of stuff in that style. So it was actually in Austria. That record was our highest charting one, but only in Austria. So, so that record label didn't even release the record outside of Austria. Wow! Mm. So it, it was kind of kind of a local hype just here, like in Vienna, the city, and and Austria, the country. But that hype, that Balkan ska stuff, it 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 wasn't it wasn't there in Germany or Italy or, or anywhere else. So. Yeah, that's why people said, you know, this will be over very soon. But somehow we we managed to to get over to Germany and play our first shows there. And I think it's uh, actually we we we're much more as a band than just the Balkan ska thing, mm-hmm. and and that's that's what made us survive that hype because all all the other bands they just died, and also the the club the the us club. It just died a few years later. So all that Eastern ska stuff is, is gone. When did you start getting out of Austria? Was it 2008 or was it before then, after then? It was a little later. I think it was um, 2009, 2010, playing the first festivals. And in 
I think with the second album, the Russian Voodoo, the tour in 2011, if I remember correctly, was the first, um, let's call it a headline club tour in Germany. Uh -huh. And there were shows in front of like 10 people. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how you start. <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah. You gotta go through that as well. So, and there's, you know, for, for five years now here in Austria, there's a, a hype for, for, uh, pop and rock music with Austrian, Austrian or German lyrics. And those bands, they exploded. So they had like, uh, one or two hits that are played here all the time in all the radio stations. So they start off playing venues um, in, in, in really big sizes. And we never had the chance to do that. We, we had to grow over the years. So in 2008, you also get the gig of uh, being the house band for a TV show in Austria? Yeah. Willkommen Österreich? Yeah, Willkommen Österreich. Okay. Which means welcome, welcome Austria. Yeah, uh, so, so explain the show. What, what is the show exactly? It's just a um, natural, national comedy comedy show with um, two, how's it called? Comedians? Two comedians. And they will, they will open the show with uh, some stand-up stuff for like 20 minutes. And then, and then there's two guests in the show. Um, mostly from from uh, Germany or Austria, and they are doing interviews with those those guests. And those interviews they are always kind of unique because because um, they're just they're just let's call it a little a little rude but with a good sense of humor. <laughs> and people people actually enjoy that a lot. So it's the show is is is. Um, it's kind of old right now, but mm -hmm. still, it's, it's one of the best, the best shows. Got the, the most views of all here in Austria, so still very successful. How did that come about? You you guys had only been a band for a few years. You were still building yourself, your reputation in the clubs. Yeah. How did you get this TV gig? Uh, playing a show at an an Austrian festival here in Vienna, and one of those two guys. Um, he saw us play, and then he, he came backstage and said, I think this is what we need for the show. Nice. And we said, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is what you need for the show. And so I, I, I watched a little bit, like you, you guys opened the show, you know, with music. Yeah, we, we, we play a little jingle. Then they do the, the stand-up part. And, and then when the, when the guests come in, we play a little, a little jingle, which is... Most of the time, it's like a small part of, of one of our songs. And, and then at the end of the show, we, we play like a short version of one of our songs. Or if one of the guests is um, some kind of involved in music or, or, uh, or uh, a famous musician or something like that, or a singer, then, then we, we do a song together. So, yeah, this is always very, very much fun. What are some of the highlights of you of you playing with some famous musician guests? Well, I, I was thinking you you probably don't don't know any of those because that's fine. Just German German stars, but there's uh, Herbert Grönemeyer, which is a really big uh, German singer. Or maybe you guys know Nina. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, she she had a hit in the eighties um, called "99 Luftballons." Yeah, and I'm 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 pretty sure if you hear the song, you, you know it. That song is massive here in the U.S. And that, a bunch yeah. of ska bands have covered it too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't imagine. Yeah, like we played with her, and yeah. So there's a. I'm I'm not even sure if, if that stylistic term um, exists in the U.S. But it's called Schlager. It's like a cheesy version of pop music <laughs> with German lyrics that are that are really bad most of the time. <laughs> but that kind of music is is really big here, and most of the time people laugh at it. 
but there's uh, one um, one uh, female singer. She's called Helene Fischer, and and she she exploded like the last seven or eight years, and she she visited the show. I think it was two months ago or something, and we played with her, and it was a it was a big YouTube hit because that Schlager music, of course, we don't play it like it is on the record. We we kind of make our own version in the TV show, and that's what people enjoy. It, it can it can transform into like a polka ska thing, or or that that heavy polka metal thing. Or we just do a rock version or reggae version or something like that, and I think that's what what people enjoy. You you never know where we take it. Yeah. So I assume the shows it helped help you gain some fans locally in in Austria and maybe Germany, but that's but not outside from that really, right? Yeah, not even in Germany because because the the, the show is not broadcasted in Germany. It's just in Austria. Oh, and there is. There's some um, parts in southern uh, Germany they they can watch it, but in like you go to northern Germany and and people over there they don't even know that we're doing this kind of thing. If if they don't read it in some article or, or checking the band in, in the internet, they don't know that we're a house band in a <laughs> comedy show. It seems like it'd be a fun gig. Like, do you basically have to work like a you know, you come in Monday through Friday to to a, to a set and a sort of thing. Actually, it's 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 a lot loss a lot less work. It's it's only on Mondays, so we meet every Monday at uh, two p.m. kind of. Mm-hmm. And then we do a sound check and and check check the songs or maybe the the guest song, and then we do the show at. Uh, 7 p.m. We're finished by 9 p.m. After that, I will I will do the uh, sound mixing of the of the uh, final song of the show. So most of the time, I I go to my studio and mix that song, and and that's it. So we have it's it's like Monday work for us. <laughs> that's great. You get one yeah. one day of work, one day a week work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is which is cool because um, because being a being a musician here in Austria on Mondays you don't have anything to do. Yeah, there's there's no jobs on Mondays. But you guys got a TV show job. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> like maybe if you if you're a musician in like a, a theater or something, then there's there's show on shows on Mondays. But like bands that are playing shows in clubs. Or halls, it's, it's it's quiet on Mondays, so it's kind of cool to have that regular thing going on. So I want let's let's jump to 2013. You guys, you guys are signed to Napalm Records, yeah, and you released your third record and Enedia. So Napalm is like a metal. That's a metal label, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think even some of their earlier stuff was like, like kind of like black metal or like kind of more, more on the extreme end of the metal spectrum. Yeah. They, they started off with really extreme, like Scandinavian black metal stuff. So, you know, my, my introduction to you guys was, was, uh, I, I became familiar with you guys at, you know, once you were, you know, at some point when you were on Napalm. So I, that was my first thing I noticed about you. I'm like, wow, that's very interesting that they're on this particular label. How did that come about? Well, actually, it was the it was the only label that came to us wanting to release our music outside of Austria. Oh, I see. And the deal was was okay too. So we came from a from a label only releasing in Austria, and we knew it was time to get outside. And and when Napalm came about. We checked their roster, and of course we we knew the label before. But we checked the roster, and 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 we could see that they are trying to expand their palette of of musical styles. So so now they they had like uh, I'm pretty sure you know Skindred, yeah, the, yeah, the band Skin Skindred, and 
they they've been on Napalm for twenty years now. I think with their new album right now they changed to another label. But for the past twenty years, Skindred was was on Napalm, and that's that's when I was thinking, okay, they're they're not not a, a metal label strictly anymore. So maybe maybe it, it could be the right one for us. Yeah, you had um one of the members of Skindreds was on uh, is on your new record. Yeah, I'm really happy about that because I'm. I'm a big fan of of Benji Weber from Skindred, like from the the days before Skindred when he had Dub War in the nineties. Mm-hmm. So I, I was a fan of him when I was fourteen years old. So, so this was really cool having him on the record. I'm going to make an assumption, and you, and you you tell me if I'm right or, or kind of fill in the blanks as needed. But you said that there was this Balkan ska scene, and it got big, and then it kind of died. So I'm looking at the timeline, 2013, you sign with Napalm, and you have this reach outside of Austria. Does that sort of happen around the same time as the, the Balkan ska hype dies and you guys are sort of the only one left standing? It, it happened a little later. So the, 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 the Vienna Balkan ska scene was already dead for, let's say, three years. Okay. Kind of, yeah. And and that's when when also um, some of the band members they, they left because they thought, well, there's no future for the band. The hype was fun, but now I think it it, it won't to la- it won't last too long. And I, I do something else. And I think half of the band um, changed back then. Should be like um, 2011 or 2012. Around that time, I think it was lots of personnel changes i assume this gave the band new life the release of this record yeah it it was when we did the the energia tour in uh, 2013 it it was a a, i think that was the first german club tour that it kind of worked where we could feel okay we we can make it outside of austria there were still a few few shows with the like I think it was like 40 people or something but there were others and they they had 400 people so we knew it's it's not it's not where we want it to be but i think we can get there yeah okay that that was a i think that was a really really good time because we we felt we can do it and two years before we were thinking well nobody's interested in the stuff we're doing so <laughs> Maybe we, maybe we just quit. <laughs> Around the 2013 time, we felt okay. There's there's future, and I I started to write more songs, and I I was really motivated to write lots of stuff. Were you going even beyond Germany? Like, were you touring all of Europe and beyond? Yeah, it, it slowly came together. It was the Netherlands were one of the first countries besides uh, Germany and also Switzerland. And then another two years after, we went to Spain and we, we have a few Spanish songs. Mm-hmm. And those those people over there, we realized that they love it. <laughs> so mm-hmm. so we, we, we try to to go there as much as possible. Which isn't always easy because Spain is is still some ride for us. The the one thing that I realized when we toured the U.S. is that the distances are are a little different for you guys. Oh because yeah, you have, <laughs> oh yeah. You, you have one really big country, but it's still all the same country. So, and for us, it's it's kind of different because because it's so many different countries. In Europe and and Spain, you have to do a let's say a twenty hour car ride to go to Spain from here. Mm-hmm. So you, you'd rather fly there, but flying with all the equipment is not also the coolest thing. So going to Spain is is something you have to you have to plan carefully. In in the United States, what did you think about having to drive across Texas? <laughs> that was one of the most beautiful things 
ever. <laughs> I also I, I have never seen a, a real desert in my life. Sure. That was the first the first time. We drove all through Texas to New Mexico and then um we went to Phoenix, Arizona. So that that ride I will remember the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. It's great. You mentioned that you had a few songs in Spanish. You you guys sing in a multi a variety of languages, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. I know there's there's Russian, I know there's some English that comes out, Spanish. Um what else? What other languages come up in your songs? There's uh German. And on on the new record I, I tried to do a little more German again because I think it was was time for some more German. Uh we we also had an Italian song a few years ago. Italian Spanish yeah. We, we had, we have some, you know, just some, just some phrases here and there that can be also French or Hungarian, or, or even I think on the Cosmopoliturbo album, I think we had a few phrases in Japanese because Georgie he, he, he has a friend from Japan or something like that, and, and we just put in some, some song. The song's called Hello Japan. So we put in some Japanese words. Have you guys played in Japan yet? No, unfortunately not. I hope it will happen some sometime. That that would be a good one for y'all. Yeah. Is the multi-language thing is that something unique to you guys or is that something that bands other bands in in Australia are doing? Well, I think it's it's kind of unique. I, I don't know any any bands that are, are doing it that much here. I think it's also only working because we're uh, such a multicultural band. Yeah. So, yeah. It it reflects the band members and then also... Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I cannot speak Russian, actually. Man, by now, I have, let's say, 30 words or something in Russian, <laughs> and mm-hmm. I, I know how to pronounce most of them. But um, but when I'm I'm writing lyrics and and I want that sound of the Russian language, I, I will I will write it in German or English, and then put it in Google Translate, and then I will I will sing it in the demo like Google Translate puts it. Yeah. And then I will go to George or Dimitri, and we we correct <laughs> it so that. We t- we turn it into proper Russian, right? Have there ever been any any humorous uh, translations that didn't quite work? Yeah, yeah, there was some some stuff, and like the there's that's one of the sentences I I hear very often. Um, you know, you cannot say this really like that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and, and then we we just go from there and. I tell Georgie or Dimitri what, what I really wanted to say with that, and then we we just modify it. Nice. So, you, what what languages do you actually speak you, yourself? Um, German, of course, which is my mother language. I mean, it's more Austrian than German <laughs> because yeah. there's there's a subtle, subtle um, differences. Um, English. I had French in school. I had Italian in school. I think that's it. Latin, but that's not the language anymore, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's it, yeah. You have a song called, um, what is, I don't know how to pronounce it. Ra- Ratos Moja? Yeah, Rados Moja. Rados Moja. There's a, I found this clip um, from 2014 where you guys played, um, I think it's called The Village Sessions in the Netherlands, and it was an acoustic rendition of the song. Yeah, yeah, it was very spontaneous. What was that exactly? It was actually it was a Dutch festival where we we played um, at night, just our usual show, and they asked us if if we want to do like a small session of two or three songs in a in a little tent with acoustic instruments. We said hell yeah, just let us know what time, and we'll be there. So we it was really spontaneously. We 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 never did this before, actually. So. Did, did I did I play an acoustic guitar there? I, I don't remember. Yes, yeah, it was all acoustic. 
And I think the drummer was like kind of hitting stuff with his hands. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that the guitar that uh, I played there, it wasn't even mine. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was just lying there in the tent and they said, yeah, you can use the guitar. I said, okay, because I, I think I didn't have an acoustic guitar with me on the tour, just electric and amps. So I said, yeah, we can do that, but you have to, you have to give me a guitar. <laughs> I assume you hadn't figured out how to, um, you know, pre-planned how to make an acoustic version of these songs. You just kind of went for it. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's the fun. That's the fun about it to me. So not, not too much talking, just, just take another instrument, like kind of another instrument and try to go with it. And in, in the moment you start to play, you adapt to it and it gets, it gets a unique groove then. That, that's what I, I, I love about it, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I was thinking about doing an acoustic record with Ruskaya. So maybe, maybe let's say the next few years. Sure. That'd be great. I will, I will try to do because, yeah, I, th- I think it would be a cool sound. Maybe, maybe even songs that, that we have on, on, on our already existing album. So songs that already exist, but then an acoustic version, something like that. So your, your new record, um, Turbo Polka Party, when did you say the expected release date was? Um, I think it's February 3rd. February 3rd, okay. Turbo Polka Party. Immediately my brain thinks of the Weird Al album called Polka Party. Is that, were you, was it a playoff of that or was it just something different? Well, actually, I wanted to call it a poker party. That was my idea, and and the other guys in the band said, "Well, let's let's make it a turbo poker party because it's not it's not only poker on that record. It's we're, we're not just a poker band." So the other guys said, "Let's make it a turbo poker, which refers to to our own style." Tell me a little bit about the the poker influence. So, you, and poker really is an influence, right? Well, actually, in the the moment you you play that really fast ska stuff, and you have that that polka beat from the drums, it it morphs in that kind of turbo polka. Mm-hmm. So it it lies in in that high speed ska style, I think. Like, well, let's call it a heavy high speed ska. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's I think that's. What makes it a turbo polka then? Like I, I, I think it also has some reference to that that Finnish metal polka stuff from bands like Kopiklani. I'm pretty sure you know those guys. Uh, sounds familiar. Um, I'm not super familiar with metal, but I've heard the name before. Kopiklani is a Finnish Finnish folk metal band actually, and they're they're singing only in a in a very rare Finnish dialect. <laughs> and they're they're touring all around the world, like they're going to Latin America and Australia. Just really cool band. So this is like some kind of like Finnish metal polka, polka music. Um, some of this like Balkan music and and Eastern European music, ska. There is like a similarity with all these styles of music in that it has this sort of upbeat element, but they're yeah. also they're also different and unique from each other. Um, so on one hand, you guys are using these different influences, but you're also sort of me- mixing them all together. Yeah. Do you think about the the nuances of these different styles as you're putting them together and identify them, or do you kind of just just kind of go with whatever you feel? You know, just taking all that and just mixing it in a blender. Well, I mean, those Ruskaya records, they mainly they will sound like, like what I love to listen to in, in that time period of, of a few years. So the new record is a little more heavier. It's on mm-hmm. the heavier side because, because I rediscovered lots of stuff that I was listening to like 20 years ago or something. And I, I, I just wanted to, to make it a little heavier. And since I'm a songwriter, the, my friends, they just go, they just go with me, just follow me. And, and I, I do not 
think very much about about mixing all the kind of stuff because it's it's very naturally to me like you said that that offbeat kind of thing it's it's everywhere it's in in the russian folk music in the eastern folk music and it's also in in the reggae it's just slower and ska i i also used to to play lots of hardcore punk stuff when i was a teenager so i was i was all i was always into some kind of fast music <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, i love it when it's when it's fast What do you think it is about the about those upbeats, whether it's polka or Balkan or ska? What, what do you think the appeal is? I thought about that a lot, and I think it's just like a, a universal recipe. Just it just does something with with people or people's feelings, and it, it makes them move. It's it's just like certain grooves in music make you move a certain way, and and that upbeat roof is, is just just the same mm -hmm. yeah yeah I, i totally agree sometimes on the road when we board we we play we play classic songs from bon jovi to sting or whatever and and then we we just use those chords and and the words and the melodies but we <laughs> we put we put that that upbeat guitar and some polka beat underneath and Suddenly, it sounds like Ruskaya. <laughs> <laughs> What Bon Jovi song? Uh, we did. Um, it was acoustic, and we did it in a basement a few years ago. Just George and me, I think. We did uh, "Living on a Prayer." Yeah, I can see that being really good. When are we going to get a Ruskaya "Living on a Prayer" release? Well, that that was the other idea I had. Uh, I wanted to do uh, <laughs> uh, just a, a covers album because uh, people seem to enjoy our covers a lot. We we did lots of them live or on the on the TV show, but on album in the studio we only have a few of them. We have the one uh, Avicii cover, the "Wake Me Up," that got kind of big, and we did mm -hmm. a, a Daft, Daft Punk cover, um, and also I think there's a the, Katy Perry cover of Roar, which is just just acoustic. You also have a Last Christmas on the new record. Yeah, actually, I wanted to do like two or three cover songs on, on the on the record, but like when, when I'm starting to write a record, I imagine lots of stuff. <laughs> but when I'm like when I'm like two years in all the work, um, it just gets a little busy and. and I, I don't have the chance to 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 uh, do all the stuff that I I had in my vision. So it's only one cover this time. <laughs> I also wanted to do I wanted to do a ZZ Top sharp dressed man. <laughs> <laughs> nice, <laughs> because it it would be a total just a total opposite of of the original actually. So that guitar riff, bam, bam, ba, da, ba, ba, bam. Uh, I wanted the horns to play that line and. and And I myself, I would do just the, the upbeat guitar. So, so take it somewhere else was my idea. And I also wanted to do Gangnam style. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a list. I have a list where I I put those ideas and how I I I want to do it. And yeah, maybe I, I will have the chance to do like a, a covers covers album. I think people would enjoy it. Don't go anywhere. If you want to hear the rest of this conversation, head over to our Patreon. Thank you for listening to In Defense of Scott. Please rate and review this podcast and tell a friend. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at In Defense of Scott. Pick up Aaron's book, In Defense of Scott, at your local bookstore or online. This podcast is edited by Chris Reeves of Ska Punk International. This is your co-host Adam Davis of Omnigon, leaving you by saying Ska now more than ever. Sales.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hey everybody, it's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian, and we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks.